Hello, I'm Joseph Malazzi, creator of Dark Matter, and you are listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. I am very much definitely not Craig leading this discussion about The Mandalorian Season 2. I am instead Aaron, and will be with you for the next little bit of time. Your dose of Scottishness will instead be provided by my guest, Chris. Hello, Chris. Hello, greetings. So you have to represent Scotland today because Craig's not here and I can't do it. I, I will try my best. I don't know if there's a particular Scottish connection to The Mandalorian, but if not, you can tell me your own. Are you a big fan or a partial fan into Star Wars? I'm a big Star Wars fan. I've got to say, as, as much as I haven't enjoyed the recent film trilogy, I am still a fan of Star Wars. I'm not one of these people that say, that's it, I'm done, I'm never watching Star Wars again. You know, I'm taking my existing Star Wars and I'm going home. Uh, I'm I'm very much in favour of the, some of the stuff that we've got. The Mandalorian, especially, I think, is is a, a good turn. My entry into Star Wars was watching them on VHS with my dad. Wow. Uh, obvi- obviously, too young to have seen them originally at the cinema, but got to see them with my dad. And then uh, things like The Phantom Menace came out at the right time for me to be able to see at the cinema. So I got to see the prequel trilogy. Uh, on the big screen and of course i've watched everything else since then in fact since getting disney plus i was able to watch the clone wars for the first time that i hadn't watched Mm -hmm. um i'd kind of dismissed as an animated thing and and sort of thought oh it's not you know it's not gonna be that great it's a little animated show in fact i absolutely loved that uh and ended up watching rebels as well off the back of that and then that was just in time for the mandalorian cool that's um You've collected quite a lot of them there, then, actually. I'm going to be a bit behind you, I think, because I've, I've... Interestingly enough, let's bond. Uh, I watched the original Star Wars with my dad, so maybe it was just a oh. thing to do with the right people to be doing this with that perspective. So I've got that <laughs> um, connection to the childhood. I am very precious about the old films. I've, I've probably got that, that hanging over my head with all this uh, that I'll need to watch out for. It, it probably has coloured my ability to enjoy the later stuff but i'm i'm trying to stay open-minded on it and i've actually got a couple of questions on that specific subject specifically the last three uh, films that i'm going to bring up in fact later on so we're going to come back to that point um but yeah i'm a bit behind you because i've not seen um clone wars i've seen rebels so if we need to get into the depths of some of these these cameos from some of the older characters you might uh, you might be able to provide us a bit of extra info there that i can't but i've got questions on that too so look forward Excellent. to that really going to use your expertise i i am supposed to put in somewhere some sort of spoiler warning at some point maybe a little i quite fancy a little grogu noise but so i might have to put that in but before i do i will ask you spoiler free on um 
on season two then so we're going to assume the audience is coming to to this podcast also having seen you know season one they've got that perspective we might not talk about that too much we'll focus on season two but one of the key parts will be did you have any expectations going in season two mm-hmm. and were they were they actually met and did you enjoy it because or even despite them um, so I had uh, some expectations. So before they started running all the press and everything for it, obviously we already knew that they were going in the hunt of a Jedi. Mm. Um, and then, of course, we found out through some of the the pre, all the pre press and the warm up that we were going to get some Ahsoka through this. So I knew that we were going to get to see Ahsoka on screen. We we're going to get to see some ongoing adventures. I wasn't, I wasn't really sure what direction they were going to go. I was like, is the whole thing going to be the hunt for the D- Jedi or? Or is it going to sort of branch off in the way that season one did, where it was sort of lots of little mini stories, really, with one sort of overriding arch? So that's kind of what I was expecting. And I, my expectations were met, and I enjoyed enjoyed the first season. I enjoyed this season. I do think there was a slight detriment to this season, where I think maybe it spent a bit more time than expected setting up other things, but we will discuss that when it comes up. Sure. Um, I do... I do think I see everywhere that season two seem really hard. I think that's true. I think that's actually something I could instead have stolen from any discussion, though, the idea that the second thing is harder than the first because of expectations. Mm. So it, it, I, I think I'd, I think I probably felt the same way about the earlier episodes of, of this season that it, Somehow it didn't hit as hard uh, you know, to me as the season one did. And I thought, why is that? Is that my expectations? And we can get into the detail of it. But what I would say is, for the purposes of leading this podcast, I rewatched, I rewatched the first six episodes. And I got, a t- I got a different feeling the second time around than I did the first time around. I enjoyed it a lot more watching it the second time around. And I still don't know why. Um, I think it must be something to do with expectations, but I definitely agree with you. I had that feeling. There's something weird here. There's something about the first episodes. Why I'm not enjoying them as much. And then that mm. went away on the second watch. Um, I, I don't, have you have you second watched anything yet, or or do you not bother? Yes. Yeah, so, so I almost did an immediate second watch of the first season. So I watched the first season sort of as it came out. And then did a, a rewatch of it mm. almost straight after because I wanted to see how it all sort of flowed together. If you watched stuff back to back, and I did get, I got a better appreciation for the first season the second time round. And I think it was because some some of it's what you're saying, where you sort of know what to expect, so you know it's not fast paced throughout. Because I think some people were expecting something like The Mandalorian to be, you know. Uh, shoot first, ask questions later through the entire season, yeah. where you get something that that sort of is, you know, it has those moments, but it also can plod along in its own way, and it takes its time establishing something. And I think on a second watch, you're able to appreciate some of the little details that they've put in as well, which you maybe w- miss because they've got something glowy and shiny in front of you, mm-hmm. so you're paying attention to that, and then you kind of miss some of what they've done in the background, the little things that they drop as they go through, which I think you appreciate more on a, on a second viewing. Yeah, maybe that's it then, actually. Maybe you've just answered that question for us. Good job you're here. I'm glad I invited you. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, we, we might try, I might try and revisit that in my own head as we go through some of this and see if I can pick up on some of those little details then. Um, but in order to get to that, I do need my spoiler klaxon warning. I'm totally going to go for Grogu. Expect Grogu. With Grogu lighting the way for us, there's something I want to get done first. Because I think if I don't do it first, it's going to haunt us throughout the entire podcast with people going, why haven't they brought this up yet? Which is the main cameo, the clear first uh, first, uh, first violin cameo that is Luke coming in. And there's a few parts of this that I've seen all over the internet upsetting people in terms of it being simply Luke all the way through to the uses of the CGI and the actor. So I guess before we go any further, we kind of have to clear the air on this. Are you a... Mm-hmm. Loved it or hate it, and 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 why? Uh, I am in. If if I was to put myself in a camp, I would put myself in the love it camp. Oh. Um, I I wouldn't say that a, a lot of people treat this the the final scenes of the season like it has saved Star Wars. <laughs> I've seen that so often, and I'm not in that camp. I'm not in the this has this has redefined everything and has fixed humanity. Yeah. I am I am in the I don't mind this cameo and I quite liked it. It's one of the cameos in the season that I have the least qualms about. It kind of makes sense in canon for me that it would be Luke who would find us or you know, would find Grogu, who would find Baby Yoda. We know from the films that he, he ran a Jedi Academy, we know that he was training young force sensitives. If someone's going to reach out and help a force sensitive that is in trouble, it's going to be Luke. So it kind of made sense to me. There's lots. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's lots of other Jedi out there. And maybe you can make an argument for it makes the universe too small. And we say that quite often on this podcast about lots of different shows. Is it makes the the universe, you know, you're talking about space. There's a, there's a lot of room out there in space. There's a lot of people out there in space. Is this the only Jedi that could respond? No. But equally, if they had just invented another random Jedi, people would have went, that's ridiculous. It should have been Luke. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I kind of liked the Luke cameo. Um, as soon as I saw the X-Wing coming in in that scene, and they're going, oh, it's just a lone X-Wing. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, they're doing it. <laughs> so it was, Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, the bonus of an R2-D2 cameo, who, of course, is, you know, the one that we were all waiting Even for, really. Better. I mean, you're saying it was Luke, but it's R2-D2, so sorry. Yeah, get your supporting cast right, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How about you? How did you feel with it? Well, I mean, the thing of it is, I do underappreciate some of these arguments about how, how it's so small and if so what's going on. But the thing of it is... We're not watching the expanse here, the gritty realism. We're watching space opera. Mm-hmm. And in, in in space opera, like opera, the main character turns up. That's you know, that's that's the genre you've bought into. And if you if you've not bought into this Star Wars a space opera, then what are you doing here? Um, I mean there is a genre discussion to be had later, and I'm I'm gonna come back to that, but if I accept that the whole universe is built around the whole principle of space opera, then there is no reason why Luke shouldn't turn up, but but 
you know, that's part of a large discussion aside. If I if I come back to my personal feeling about it, I I have to say I wasn't as smart. I wasn't as on the ball as you. I didn't get it from the X Wing. I probably should have done, but I got it from the black glove. Oh, um, okay. Which is a bit later on. And it's actually quite that was actually quite interesting to, to because either way, I th- I think both of us managed to get anticipation into our watch. You know, you got it a lot earlier than me, and you'll have enjoyed that mm. for a lot longer. That ride, that hit, that wave of, oh, I know what's coming, it will have lasted <laughs> with you. But I still got enough of it because when he's um, going through the dark troopers, I'm still thinking, yeah, I know who this is. This is amazing. I still got that. And because it invoked that feeling, I was all for it. And the rest of it wasn't necessarily therefore any concern to me. So the CGI usage, I, I, I don't care. I, um, mm. I have a feeling that I would care if it was truly awful. So I don't want to dismiss the whole idea of the use of CGI. It, it is distracting because I, I totally get it. But the, um, the big arguments that I've seen before on some of these other shows, like I could totally see his mustache or where his mustache was. I'm like, <laughs> I couldn't. I was not watching his upper lip. You know, when Superman comes on, I'm not the mo- the first thing I look for is not what's on his upper lip. You know, that's just not <laughs> what I'm I'm going for. So it's the same thing when Luke turns up. I'm not I'm not analyzing his face. I knew it. I could see it. My brain said that CGI. I knew it straight away. But it it's one of those things where I'm riding this anticipation of I was waiting when to put the hood down. And that was such a big feeling to see that, that the whole idea of, oh, and now I'm disturbed to see CGI, it, it didn't really trigger for me at all. So I, I did enjoy it. I did like it because it's space opera. For all those things you've said about what he is doing and where he would be in the plot and what he's going to be looking to further with his Jedi Academy. It makes sense. He didn't feel crowbarred in. If, as you say, if somebody's going to respond to this call, who are you expecting? So mm. this is exactly who I was expecting. So right place, right time, fits the background plot that's been established in the universe, felt my anticipation rise, and I got the payoff. And I can say that, that I did. I told you in the um, I told you in our in our chats mm. beforehand I was going to bring it up. And this is the right time, by the way. The only <laughs> way this feeling was improved for me was when, and I have to put this in the show notes, when I saw the whole scene replayed, synced up to the song "I Need a Hero" from Bonnie Tyler. And <laughs> I want everybody who is listening to this podcast to go on YouTube and watch that because it's amazing. So. <laughs> In summary, the only thing that improved it to me was by almost making it into a dance number. Otherwise, generally perfect. So, it is um, a very well done edit. I've got to say, so thanks for sharing that with me. That made my day when I saw that one. No, it's it's very good. I mean, I'm I'm completely with you. I I get that there's a slight uncanny valley to it. Mm. And okay, if you pause it and you and you freeze frame it and you rewatch it twenty million times, you are going to start to see, you're going to start to see some rough edges to CGI. But let's just appreciate what they are actually doing with that CGI at that time. Yes. it's you know, 
it, let's you know bow down to the computer masters who manage to do these kinds of things because yeah you know we're sitting watching them on 4k tvs going oh that's a bit you know that looks a bit rough okay i'm accepting it for what it is and what, and what they can do i mean they've done that we've seen a lot worse in other films and other things and this is happening in a tv show so hmm. I'll, I'll accept it and the fact that you've highlighted that it's space opera as well i often forget that it is like a, a space opera and then you start thinking about a soap opera you start thinking of like <laughs> the standards or whatever and of course you would get the the drum crash finale of who comes through the door but it's luke skywalker boom 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 boom, 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 boom. <laughs> you know what's gonna happen tomorrow oh my god i must tune in um so yeah it's <laughs> i am your father dumpf, 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 exactly. dumpf, dumpf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this has been yeah, established for, for you know it's for 40 yeah. years yeah it's 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 that thing. It's it, oh, and she's your sister. Boom, 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 boom <laughs> you know. Yes, it's it's space opera. And when you highlight that, in fact, maybe I'm not going to be able to take any Star Wars seriously anymore without superimposing that in my head every time there's these little drops. Oops. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've just ruined Star Wars for myself and listeners. I oh, know. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we need to edit all that out. I don't know. Oh no! Never, um, but, never, 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 it's all—it's all coming out. I've now turned it into spacey standards, and it's <laughs> rubbish. Um, but yeah, uh, I was absolutely for the cameos. Absolutely for R two D two being there. Um, what that means going forward is interesting in my head because it's almost the end of our dynamic duo setting that we've had. Yeah, I don't see. I don't see how you could have Din sort of go off and go, no, Luke, you're a rubbish trainer. I'm taking him with me. <laughs> you know, I'm taking him back. I'm taking the apprentice back. Bye-bye. You know, I don't think you can do that. And it's one of the dynamics that has kept people tuned into this program. Mm. I know that I'm saying tuned in in an online sense here, but you sure. know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's kept people watching. Folk are there for or what cute thing is Baby Yoda going to do in this episode? And what line are they going to get? And what sort of little... And have we come to the end of that particular part of the story? Because there will be some people who are watching for that dynamic, that you've had that father-son dynamic that's kind of developed. Uh, Yeah, and that is a noticeable thing in a lot of other shows. I I always actually go back to Dark Matter when I um, think about this, Mm. that it's a good example of during the first series, they set up a style of show. And then the second series, it was a completely different style of show, and I think that did actually hurt it. I don't think it. I don't think it was an automatic mistake, but it, it just seems to be one of those things that if you're going to do this, you've got to be careful. You've got to make sure that you replace it really well. I mean, there's a reason why the old Simpsons joke is we change everything whilst leaving it exactly the same. You know, that's that's a known mm. thing that you have to be taken care of. So. If they did then give you a different show, do you think that would ruin it for you? Oh, I don't think it would ruin it for me. I think you can see, I mean, I know we're going to come on to it later on, but I think you can see the path they're going to travel. Mm-hmm. And I also think as much as it was, you know, you, you got some fun out of Baby Yoda and there was some cute things, it's... It, you sit and you go, well, what what further could they do with the two of them? Is is that story finished? And I don't know what else they could do to expand a character who can't really talk, a character who can't 
mm-hmm. maybe develop in that same way, whose relationship you can't take that much further forward than what they've got. It's very nice what they've got. And I think there's some brilliant developments through this season uh, with the two of them and the lengths that Din will go through to protect him and rescue them. But, you know, when you go from what began in season one to what you've got at the end of this season and the scenes and the and the steps that Din takes in this season, I think I, I, I just don't know how much further you can go with them despite that relationship. I don't... Yes. You know, you, apart from keeping him as a continual MacGuffin where someone's constantly trying to capture him, yeah. and that gets boring after a while. That's a bit like, you know, the superhero's girlfriend always getting caught. Yeah. You know, the villain, by the end of the season, the villain's always dangling the, you know, is always dangling the girlfriend off the side of a building while on the other, on the other hand, he's got a button for detonating a bomb halfway across the city. It's that yeah. kind of thing. And you can only do that so many times before it gets really boring and i think maybe they've done the natural out at this point without writing it into the ground maybe the consensus on the online seems to be people reckon that there's no way they're going to get rid of grogu because it would be too harmful but but yeah the dynamic i think has to change i would agree you think that the the, the dynamic has been slowly changing already. We've been building through to something else for for long enough in season two, which might not sound like a lot, but when I think about it, is 50% of the plot that has mm. been built. Oh, well, actually, that's not even true. They introduce even the Darksaber, of course, at the end of uh, season yeah, one. Yeah, the end of season one. Yeah. So you are even expecting it. So you, you are actually knowing that something else is coming because he, he's not looking for the Darksaber. It's nothing connected to Mandalore. He's not trying to get back to his home planet. So you're already on last episodes of season one going, there's something else going to happen here. So, yeah, I think they've already been building it away. So what you've said sounds right. They have chosen to not let something drag on, end it before it gets uh, stale, which is which is a good idea. I think I'll um, I'll stay on things that might make it worse though for a bit longer just just to keep it negative because as mm. I'm sure people <laughs> are expecting from me if they if they listen to Craig too much don't do that people but um, things that could make things worse still though on the idea of bringing in R2 and his side character Luke is is there any danger here? that it's been done just because the fan base would be upset if they didn't. And do you reckon that that is blocking the expansion into other people, new people, that you would have preferred to see? Oh, that is a good question. I I said when I, I talked about Luke, I said he wasn't the cameo that that peeved me off the most through the whole thing. And I do think there was a slight, a slight sacrificing this season of Din's story and the characters that he maybe would have been introduced to in favor of, we need to introduce Ahsoka for an Ahsoka TV show and Boba Fett for a Boba Fett TV show. And we need to introduce this and this and this and this, because we're wanting to spin these off into something. Yeah. And that, sort of disappointed me a little bit 
Right. As much as I enjoyed seeing some of these characters on screen, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that they're bad portrayals. I'm not saying that they're. I think, in my opinion, last season, what we got, he got, he got introduced to all his friends. Like every episode was, he met a new friend, and by the end, they united to do, to do the thing, and it was great yeah. getting to see that. You know, even even the assassin droid got a character moment by the end of the season. You're like, yes, brilliant. You know, yeah. that's great. It was sort of a let's go back and collect everyone that we've met on our journey who's going to help us out as friends. And yeah, you kind of got that a bit this season. But at the same time, you sort of feel that, with, you know, it, it made sense, some of the characters that they had in there. I'm not saying that they grabbed them out the air and went, oh, yeah, that'll do. That's us introduce them. They all make sense in canon in a way, mm. but I don't think some of them were one hundred percent necessary in the way that they were there. The one that peeved me off the most was Boba Fett. I've never had the Boba really? Fett thing. I've never had it. Now maybe it's because I'm not into the big. Apparently, he's massive in the expanded universe, and people have written tons of cool stuff about Boba Fett. Mm. For me, the last time I see Boba Fett is Han Solo, while blinded, <laughs> knocks him with a stick, and he goes, Wah! and falls into the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. That, that is what happens to Boba Fett, yeah. right? It's not been edited out. As far as I'm aware, George Lucas still hasn't went back to the tapes and CG'd some cool stunting for Boba Fett yeah. in place of him screaming into the distance as a blind man hits him with a stick, <laughs> right? That's not been edited out. So in my head, his story ends, sadly, with ending up in the Sarlacc pit. That's, that's in my head, that's where he's ended up. Now, he might have done tons of cool stuff before then. And if they made a show about all the cool stuff he did before then, I'd accept it. I'm kind of a little bit now of the, no, don't try and rewrite him now. We saw what happened to him. He got hit by a blind man and fell, in a, <laughs> fell into the pit. That, that's how he ended. It's a very sad end to an epic hero. But that's the way he went. Don't now try and edit him out and turn him into something that he wasn't. I don't. I, I that kind of annoys me a little bit because I kind of feel we've already got our bounty hunter. He's the star of the show. Yeah. The title is about him. You know, we've got that character. We don't need another one. We don't need another one. It's it's actually quite noticeable as well that he has no role at the end i mean okay he technically has a role at the end because he's flying his ship but he has he doesn't seem to have a plot role at the end because he's not on the bridge of the of the imperial cruiser facing off the 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 dark troopers so he doesn't have a role you know he's just given a place and that that's so it's so obvious why wouldn't you just jump or just you know just come on board it's fine what you don't have to run away i mean yeah, there was an in there was an in get a plot reason why he did, but no, I don't think he he really did. And I th- I'm I'm going to agree with you on that, and I'm, I'm possibly going to take it a step further, which hurts me slightly actually, because oh. I don't necessarily think I needed to see Ahsoka, which is weird because I really, really, really enjoyed that episode and thought it was amazing. Mm. But if I try and step back a bit, I would have happily cut. Boba Fett, Fennec Shand, and Ahsoka, and kept it all on the main plot line of um, of of the people that we know already being the ones on the bridge. I kind of wanted to see the the characters from season one 
be the ones on the bridge. And and we did get that with uh, I don't know how many how many of the season is it actually is it just one character from season one that's on the in the final bridge fight? Is it just uh, is it just Cardoon? Yeah, well, Fennec technically is season one, isn't she? Uh, I, yeah, I suppose. So Fennec technically, if you're wanting to expand it a little bit, and you do, I mean, you do see other characters from the first season throughout sort of dribbled, but not to the same extent that you had through the rest, I think. Um, but they, yeah, they, I think you're, I think you're right. It's Kara and Fennec are your only ones from things. See, Fennec... Fennec is who I would have replaced Boba Fett with. Right, I think okay. in an early draft of the of this season, it would be Fennec that you would get there, not Boba Fett. That that's why I kind of think that of all the characters, the the new the old characters that they've brought back that you could replace with current equivalents. You know, Mingya now when did such a good job in the first season with that character and sort of establishing that character, and then in this season is reduced to being Boba Fett psychic yes. in this one. Yeah. And you sort of go, no, she could have been, she could have been something in there. She could have been in the in a draft. You know, she could have been the one that, um, you know, she was tracking Baby Yoda for the money, and mm. then suddenly turned around a bit like, uh, yeah, a bit like the Mandalorian does and go, Oh, actually, you know, I realize the reason that this former empire guy wants it. I don't want that either. You know, yeah. have that, have that switch around, have another character that switches around. And I, I didn't see why making her a, a Boba Fett accessory sort of made sense. And I'm kind of with you with Ahsoka as much as it pains me, I know, as much as it pains me, because again, I think it was a great portrayal of ahsoka i'm not with uh, there's a few people that go oh rubbish it's not the same blah, blah, blah. i wasn't expecting it to be 100 the same it's it's not the same it's not the same voice actors so the voice is going to be different of course mm-hmm. and they're not going to look 100 identical because one is an animation where you can make the animation do whatever you want the other one is a person wearing a very heavy prosthetic <laughs> You know, you need to you need to work around these kind of things. It's not, you know, it's never going to be per- it's never going to be perfect. And if they had made her a CGI character to try and get around some of the limitations, oh. you can imagine the the uproar from that as well. Oh, yeah. So I'm I'm kind of I was absolutely fine with the portrayal. I thought she looked great. Again, I sort of went, well, did did it need to be Ahsoka? Did we need Ahsoka for that one episode? As much as I liked it. Could that information have been delivered in some other way, maybe about the, you know, could you have skipped straight to the, I've heard a rumor about a stone that if a force sensitive goes near it, then other Jedi will return, you know, to, to pick them up. That kind of rumor you could have got from somewhere else. And it could have, it looks like it fails because nobody comes to the planet or they have to run away and he's, I must get back to that planet, but I can't. Because I need to rescue the kid first, so I, I yeah, I, I think it definitely could have done exactly as you described. And the, the thing is, the weird thing is, I don't necessarily think I'm saying I want to get rid of people as the as the problem. I think I'd, I do want to say that it's more that I would have liked to have seen more of what you've already introduced. I mean, I would have even been happy to see um, Migs Mayfield on that bridge. Because he would have been the fatalistic guy. They're all going, we might survive. Mm. And they're like, nah, we're all dead. 
dark troopers were over, make your peace with it. You know, he's, he has this very realistic attitude to it all. Although that was possibly already given by Cara Dune. But I, but the thing is, I like those characters that they have set up. So there's not enough, there's not really much space here in an eight episode show. So I don't think, I do want to make it clear that I don't think what I saw was bad. As I say, like yourself, I loved mm. the Ahsoka whole episode. But I do, I do really think it was a shame to just quickly go back to the old planet to get the the old characters in for one episode, really, and then a bit of a cameo elsewhere. Because it, it really felt like we were just cameoing, cameo, is that even a verb? I can't even say it. Bringing in our <laughs> old characters as a cameo rather than acknowledging them as real first-tier characters of this show. So it's it's just a shame that I didn't get to see more of Mings. It's a shame I didn't get to see more of Cara Dune. It's a shame I didn't get to see more of List Your Favourite Character here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't I didn't I actually liked what I saw, but I do believe I missed out because they were really, as you say, trying to build up the spin-offs. Clearly trying to build up more and more of the spin-offs than um than giving you the universe that you'd already come to see. So it is painful. It really, it really was painful to, to say, oh, yeah, would I take those ones out? Although possibly possibly I would completely agree with you on Bode Buffett. He, um, <laughs> he is a fan character, but he doesn't have a place. He's not on the bridge at the end, and I can't get past that. If he's not part of the final scene and he's not even helping them out like Fennec was – is he necessary given that, as you say, he's already a, a bounty hunter and we already have one of those. He's a Mandalorian. I got about four of those. Um, he's a mean guy that shoots people. Yeah. I got one of those. And yeah, once yeah. you start listing them all out, you think this was for the fans, was it? But I mean, yeah. I mean, my, my thing is it's yeah. Okay. They want to do a TV show about them. Do doing the run up to empire. Do it, set whatever Boba mm. Fett thing you want to do. Do it before Empire. That's fine. There's no, there's no reason you can't do that. You know, make it before he ends up in a Sarlacc pit. But you don't need to introduce him in this specific timeline. I don't think. I, I think there's so much that you could do with, you know, prequel stuff with them that would be interesting to see rather think- than this. But. You know, right. maybe maybe uh, maybe they have a grand plan. Maybe they've got this all sketched out on a whiteboard somewhere, where there's interlinking things and reasons why these characters are all about in this this particular timeline. And at the moment, I would say they've earned my trust that they do. I've mm. I've watched so many series where you think there's a plan at the start. And then some idiot from the production team goes on Twitter with his interview and go, oh, yeah, we didn't know anything about what we were doing. Aren't we amazing for having come up with what we did? And you go, you betrayer. I hate you. I trusted you. And you've literally pointed out that there's no point in me watching the next season because you don't know what's happening. So, it, yeah, it, um, it's got, they've got my trust that they are building to something. But I think you might be misunderestimating – sorry, you might be underestimating the – the, the strength of feeling of the Boba Fett fans who have currently <laughs> taken out a bounty on your head because they, <laughs> they cannot tolerate the idea that he went into a Sarlacc and didn't come out because it was comical. He's this really, you know, he's this really cool bounty hunter, but his death was a joke and that, that hurts, you know? So 
uh, it was a comedy skit. I mean, he, his arms, his arms were waving. I don't know. As he does it, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure did they not CGN in the sarlacc yes, making a burp noise as he went down? I mean, I'm really sorry, but that is the last I remember of what happened to Boba Fett. Yeah. You can't then, you can't then tell me that he then waited years and years and years to get his armor. <laughs> And just didn't take it off off the guy who was there with it. He waited until it flew off world and then went, Oh well, I guess I better go and get it now. Yeah. You know? No, he just hung he was, got drunk with Jawas and uh, and the and the fan <laughs> people and, and that was enough for him yeah, for a while. But became an thought, expert uh, in robotics, you know. No, all I'm saying is watch your back, because there are people coming from uh, Yeah, so. that, that's true, actually. And if anyone's looking for me, my name is Craig McKenzie. <laughs> that is Craig McKenzie. Nice. Right, let's get you <laughs> on to a different topic so we can we can steer you away from the danger zone. <laughs> um, I... I did say I was. I did say I wanted to come back to space opera. I think, or if I didn't say that, I meant to say that, and so I'm doing it. And <laughs> the reason being is because I think one of the reasons that I enjoyed season two the second time around is because I got rid of one of my expectations, and one of my expectations from season one was the genre that it was a western. It was purely a western, and I loved that. And I think it was difficult for me to give it up. Once I knew I was giving it up for something that was good, it was a much easier exchange to make then. In fact, it was an exchange rather than giving something up. But it, it was so noticeable that you, you're, you're seeing things that are branching away from Western. So it, it took me a while to actually get my head around this. Um, but... I don't think they went against Star Wars. I think they just explored Star Wars more. So I think George Lucas himself is is very much in numerous interviews on record saying, I've been influenced by, and he's listed Westerns, samurai films, which of course have a very strong connection to Westerns when, when you see the development of film. And, and then of course it is space opera. And it, it was, I, I honestly thought when they were putting the other episodes in that, oh, they're taking away my Western. But more, I think it was just going around the others. But I guess my main point then is I struggled to see the Western go away originally. And if I hadn't have rewatched it, I think that would have hit me hard. So my question to yourself is, when you started to see the samurai stuff coming in and the pulp stuff coming in, and of course the space opera comes in right at the end in, in, in the final mm. episode, if not before, when you saw those other three connected genres coming in, did it hit you like it hit me? Or were you like, no, I'm watching Star Wars and I'm fine with that? I think I noticed a slight tonal shift, but I was I was fine with that, I think. I wasn't... I wasn't expecting it. I mean, you had such a heavy Western opening. You have yes. a literal sort of gunslinger yeah. sheriff at the beginning, you With know, Timothy and Olfant, then, and that's what he plays, you know? He, yeah. So, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was like the perfect gunslinger, intro i mean you you reached peak western with episode one he's in a bar the doors open and the gunslinger walks in wearing mandalorian armor yes okay totally for that um uh, 
yeah, so you got you got some of that tone, and I don't think it it fully went away. There was a few episodes where it where it dropped a little bit, but then you get kind of train heist, a mine. You know, they yeah. they take a, a bit of a mine heist. They do. They didn't do a prison break this episode. Well, they kind of did they a prison did, break, yeah. but not quite. Yeah, it was it was an official prison break. There was paperwork signed and <laughs> such. You know, but you know they still did a little bit of that. So they had they had elements of western through it. But I get what you're saying. It wasn't one hundred percent in that in that sort of wheelhouse throughout it. But it didn't. It didn't break me up in the same way, I think, because tonally some of the episodes, even in season one, tonally some of the episodes would be a little bit different. So I think I was used to that. And I was also used to the the fact that the pace kind of switches between episodes in The Mandalorian. You never get, you don't really get a big, heavy gun battle episode then followed by another heavy gun battle episode. You get a more Mm. melodic sort of, plodding episode where they're establishing a bit more before it then lets loose again in a, a follow-up episode. The, you're right. that they, they, I, I definitely acknowledge that it is Western throughout because the, the so yeah, it opens with the marshal. That's definitely us. And then the, then the prison break and they're, they're breaking into a prison almost when they're breaking into the mm. Imperial compound. It's not a prison, but it feels like they're trying to break into the compound and then they have to try and escape. And, the tragedy that episode six is is a, is a last stand. Three people on a mountain fight a horde of angry, um, evil minions mm. coming at them. So it is definitely there. But episode two, I couldn't quite place. And it, it, that threw me, I think, because they're underground fighting a huge spider creature. <laughs> And it connects, it does connect to Star Wars. I can't say it doesn't because there's the point where the Millennium Falcon flies into a huge space worm. And mm. when you're a kid, you're like, yep, okay, that's fine. I totally get that. But when you go back as an adult, you think, I forgot there was a big space worm in this that has no other real <laughs> meaning. And, and oh, yeah, so it is space opera. And you come right back and it slams you in your face and says, no, this is what I am. Don't forget. But I'd seen nine episodes before that where it was Western, 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 even if it was changing pace, you know, obviously a Westerns of different paces, but then huge white space spider. And I was like, what? what? You know, what, where did where did that come from? It was such a massive change. I mean, there were good parts in it, especially the, the final bit where he's talking to the X-Wing pilots and, and you get the guy that goes, these are difficult times or these are troubled times or mm. something. And oh, I'm back in the Western again. Gotcha. We have to make compromises because we're on the frontier and it's not nice out here and the rules don't apply. It's not black and white, despite what the stormtroopers make it look like. It is actually definitely a gray area. But it, I got these points where I just got knocked off track, I think, and I, I really struggled to get back into it. And I didn't. In fact, it was only when I got to episode five that the, the there was a clear and obvious new style right from the start, and it pulled me back in. Mm. I think actually episode five, the Jedi is is possibly my favourite episode, and it feels weird because it feels like it's almost disconnected from the rest of it. But it was so stylish, and. Ahsoka is such a samurai, and it, it. I haven't seen many of the cartoons, but one of the part, one of the cartoon. You can tell me which one it is actually. That which, which in, in which of the cartoons does 
an older Obi-Wan Kenobi meet up with an older Darth Maul and they have their final showdown. What, what's that from? Is that Rebel? The Clone Wars. The Clone Wars. Clone Wars. Yeah. And when you when you see, I mean, I remember having a discussion with Craig about this as well because he hated this thing, this part, and I loved it. That final fight, I think he was expecting a massive pitched battle between the two of them to really play out and show off Jedi skills. But when I saw the two of them guard against each other in that single moment, they stand off against each other, they stare at each other for a short moment, and then they go at each other like samurai, I'm better than you, single cut, you go down, I'm still standing. And I just thought, again, that's such a stylish moment that fits in with the very character of everything these people are fitting the background and fitting the characters and, and the genres that have been promised to me since I watched this as a kid, just seeing Ahsoka come back in then as a samurai, I thought, yeah, that's who the Jedi are. And it, it really made me stare and watch this episode, even if it stood out alone as something that was just so well-crafted, the lighting, just seeing the, the, the light of the, of the lightsabers shining on Ahsoka's face, and then she cuts the light to move off into the shadows. And the bad guys are terrified of this thing moving in the shadows. All of these individual points seem to be so well-crafted that I was pulled back into this new genre. And even, But even that was kind of a, a lurch. I've been pulled off genre by the big spider. Then I've been pulled off genre again in another direction by Ahsoka being a samurai. And I was just a bit dizzy, I think, that I didn't know where I stood. But mm. ultimately, to get to the end, end of that long and pointless story, I, I was offered <laughs> a new thing, and I liked it. So it was an exchange, but not a, not a loss. But did, did, you get, did, you not, did you feel any of those uh, jumps? Or was it because you said you saw mm. the changing pace that you thought, no, it's just that, it's just changing pace? I did get those little jumps. Uh, I've got to correct myself, first of all, and I've got to say it was, in fact, Rebels, and I'm an idiot because Ezra was there. Therefore, Rebels. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> so that's me being an idiot. For everyone that's just been shouting right. at their, their, own, their own headphones for the last five minutes, it's not. It's not Clone Wars. It was Rebels. Mm-hmm. However, I did see him last in Clone Wars because that's the season that just finished. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Carrying on my part of the, of the thing. You're completely right. I didn't I, I, I don't know how I'd forgotten Space Spiders, but um, The Passenger is that episode. And this kind of leads into a bit of what I was saying earlier on. I like these little standalone stories. The Passenger, mm. I get what you're saying. It's off the wall in comparison to the rest of the season. If it was in other shows or some other shows, I would almost criticize it for being a... Uh, uh, a time sink for the writers. Mm. You know, you get these little bottle episodes where they go off and do something that's completely unrelated to the plot. Yeah. Completely unrelated, but it's because they've got to hold and bide their time until they've got enough to do the season finale sort of thing. So they'll, they'll have some rubbish side quest that they go off on. Yeah. Whereas that episode I actually really, really enjoyed. I mean, apart from the fact that Grogu was eating her children, <laughs> uh, which I... I mean, I will take a lot. Grogu is very, very cute, but I couldn't get away from thinking he's sneakily eating her kids. Yes. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Those spiders were as scary as anything. Sure. And when you saw the Grogu sitting there and it's the tiny little eggs and he's like, oh, I like the taste of these. 
and then they all start cracking and we've seen enough films to know what that that is a bad sign yeah. <laughs> it's a bad yeah, bad sign you know seeing that rampage and that escape and the way <laughs> the way it ends with the x-wings track them down and go all right we're letting you off are you gonna help me no we're just gonna leave you here now mate we're off <laughs> you know don't, don't don't get in our way again and then they fly away I liked it. I mean, it is. Ju- it was just the sign of like the Razor Crest being the unluckiest ship in all of Star Wars. Yeah. I've I've got to say that as a that is now just a thing. It's the unluckiest ship ever. That episode really, really liked the Ahsoka episode. Like I said earlier on, you're completely correct. It was so atmospheric. The shots, the cinematography in this whole season has been fantastic. But the opening of that episode in particular, with a sort of fog in the battlefield and her sort of sneaking in and out and the way that was done was just amazing the whole aesthetic for that episode was great really really well put together and when i think about like those two episodes in particular you can think about them as if because with the passenger it's a character that you've never been introduced to before mm-hmm. and it's a kind of side quest of if you if you take her home she's going to be able to give you the information to get onto the next part of your journey sort of quest it's a character you've not been introduced to before and that's great and it leads you on and if that ahsoka episode hadn't been ahsoka if it had just been a other jedi or force sensitive who survived the purge somehow because there seems to be a lot of them floating about now yes. <laughs> if, if if it had just been a another jedi that had survived the purge i still think that would have been a cracking episode even if it hadn't been ahsoka and you right. put someone else at the heart of that, a similar-ish character. I think, again, the same people that then criticise it for being Ahsoka would then be, well, why wasn't that, you know, wh- why wasn't that dual lightsaber-wielding, yeah. force-sensitive Ahsoka? It could have been, you know, we got cheated out of that. So, yeah, I, I, I kind of get a little bit of, again, universe being too small, et cetera, et cetera. However, I still think it was a really good standalone even if you delete the fact it's ahsoka from your head and you go it wasn't ahsoka it was a another jedi yeah i think that leads into what season one was which is he goes on adventures and meets characters that further his plot and that he can call on in future if he wants to and i think it worked in that sort of format it was a one episode thing it wasn't that ahsoka was there and then ahsoka stuck around for the rest of the season it was a one and done kind of thing which led on in a similar way to the first season so it's, yeah, I don't know if that completely answered your question there. But. <laughs> well, I think what I've picked up on is that what you what I heard there was you don't think it's a betrayal of anything. Mm. It, it does actually match up with what we have been offered before. In that, in that, you know, he's going around meeting individuals, and he he does a, a deal with them, or he makes friends with them achieve something and moves on, moves on in some sort of uh, some sort of the bounty hunter version of a little this hobo he's picking up little bits and bobs here and moves <laughs> on to the next one but so if it, it's if it's not a betrayal if they are staying core to the true value then it hasn't changed at all so even though i'm seeing new genres what i think you've just told me is the genres are just the foreground that is the cinematography that you're seeing. It's the lens you're looking through. But if you look at the plot behind it, it stayed true to form all the way through. And 
if you are saying that, and I'm totally putting words in your mouth here, but I, I'll pick that <laughs> up on you and, and pick that up because I thought, actually, I think I do agree with that. And I think that's what potentially why I was able to get back on track uh, in the later episodes and why I was more accepting the second time round watching because I think I saw more of that. The foreground distracted me. But when, when, I, when I went back and watched it again a second time, I was no longer distracted by the foreground. I could see through to the plot behind it and realize season two is giving me what season one promised. So I think it does answer my question. It, it, it does it in that way. I don't, know if, I don't know if that's what you meant to tell me there, but I think that's what I've, I've combined in, in my head what you said and what I said to get to that realization. So I'm happy with that. I feel better now. I feel like I'm, yeah. I feel like I've, I have managed to reconnect with um, with my re- with the episodes one to four in, in a good way, rather than just a sort of a random way. <laughs> I'm not going to leave Jim. Not going to leave genre alone, though, quite just yet. I do have one more thing on it because it's still in my hand as a thing. Because they have played around with genres so much, it to me raises the question that they might play around with genres more that this, this doesn't necessarily need to stay foreground, uh, the lens you're looking through. It could actually go deeper. And we've had promise of other series. Uh, something like Andor could be a spy thriller when, when they expand upon that character. They could go full Battlestar Galactica with, with the Rangers show that's coming up. Lando is got to be a heist film or a gangster film or something, you know, surely he's just got to be the, the good guy rogue that we were sort of promised with, with Han Solo, but then didn't think mm. we actually got to see. Maybe that's our second shot at that. So as my last thought on genre, would you want them to push the boat out more and go into uh, military spy or gangster or do you think staying with the space opera and just teasing western samurai is the right way to go well, for the for the other shows for the other I, shows because I, I think Mandalorian your, your, is, your pitch your pitch has got me i've got to say i do i do want to see those different tones but in a star wars mm. universe in a star wars setting mm-hmm. i don't think there's anything that says that you can't i mean if you look at a lesser extent, I suppose, to Star Trek, for mm. an example, putting the two together on a podcast is very deadly. However, mm-hmm. I'm going to attempt it. It's all right. You've got a bounty on your head. So you done, just I've got a bounty on my head already. I've, I've, I'm going down with guns blazing. Um, but you've, you've seen recently in Star Trek, they've done Lower Decks. Yes. Which is animated and comedy and sort of zany and off the wall, but in that same universe, using that same background i mean folk will argue whether it's canon or whether they actually exist or whatever i don't really mind but it's using the same toolbox you've got all the same toys to play with and i don't see a reason why that can't happen with star wars of Mm. course lando being a sort of heist like some form of space hustle i'm quite happy to watch space hustle with lando you know lando's charm in the middle of that Yes. yes Totally want to see that. Andor being a sort of spy thriller sort of thing, infiltrating different ranks, getting his way about. I don't, yeah, I, I, I really don't know what to expect with some of these things. I think you're right when you tag the Obi Wan show as being maybe more Star Wars traditional. I'd be way more surprised 
if Obi-Wan and Ahsoka sort of swung pretty far from the space opera canon, to be honest. Whereas with the other ones, like the Ranger show and Orlando, anything like them, I would sort of expect those to have a genre and it would help to differentiate them from the other shows. Because you've got a problem, which is if all the shows are kind of the similar and set around about the same time period, mm-hmm. which a lot of these are, then you you hit that you hit that problem where they start cropping up and then they start sort of blending together and becoming a bit too much of a good thing or too much of that samey mm. stuff. And yeah, of course, uh, a heist TV show is maybe not going to appeal to the same crowd as Mandalorian. But it doesn't necessarily need to, and that doesn't make it a bad thing. If it if it sort of crosses boundaries a little bit, you're not going to get everything being the same all the time, and maybe that's where some other franchises have kind of fallen apart a little bit. Yeah. I think if you stray way too far from the path and you make it way too dark, way too scary, way too, you know, then, okay, maybe you're going to lose a few people. I think likewise, if you make it too zany and too off the wall, you'll lose people as well. You've got to tread, you know, you've got to tread a fine line in a way, but I think they can definitely do it with these programs. Yeah, I think I would like to see it as well. I I, I got so into the the Western and then I got quite into the samurais. Did I know they're related already because they're already influences mm. from from George Lucas? But I think I would like them to go out now, and I probably would watch them all. Something you said on a previous podcast, I think, sticks in my head as well, where you said because some of these are short, it it helps that if there are only four mm. Obi Wan episodes, then it, you don't need to worry about it being this massive influential thing. It can just be dip your toe into this and have a look at it. And you don't have to invest all your time and you don't have to worry about it in, impacting on so many other things because it's just going to be a small brief thing. So with that to mm. help them dropping into these other other genres, I think could be even more possible. And I would definitely watch Ahsoka being in a, in an, in a samurai film. So that's that, after what I I've mean, seen. Yeah, if she if she's hunting down Fron as well as as the villain, yes, mm-hmm. yes, definitely. Yeah, am, and I'm I'm with you. I'm sorry, I'll, I'll let you carry on. Oh, I'm just going to quickly sneak in. I can see her as the Ronin chasing after the bad guy that has done the damage, and she's had to go rogue to do it. She's already <laughs> left the Jedi Order. She's already she's already jumped into the role of the Ronin. She is ready to mm. play this, so it uh, it could be perfect. But yeah, sorry, Karen. Y- yeah, exactly. The sort of rule breaker who can who can carry on. And and what you were saying about episode length, um, not episode length, season length. I mean, I say so often, so often on this podcast, and folk will be fed up of hearing me talk about it, which is these waste of time, five or six episodes that there'll be of every Arrowverse season that there is out there, where they do nothing whatsoever. It's just there to fill the spot because the CW needs to sell adverts in that spot. The advantage that you've got with Disney Plus, and they have fully embraced it, and I love the fact they've done it, is they've done the number of episodes that they need to tell the story, and they've done the episode lengths that they need to tell the story. They do not need to stick to an hour format so they can sell a four-advert block. They've not done that. They've done. Does does this story need 38 minutes? Yeah, okay, let's make it 38 minutes. Does this need an hour? Yes, let's make it an hour. Yeah. You know, they, they stuck to that, and it means that they can edit it 
creatively. They can be strong in their decisions. They don't need to leave a load of fluff. They don't need to leave a, a load of B story in there that goes nowhere just to fill some some time that they need. And I think they're better for it. And if they've embraced that, and hopefully they have with these other shows, as they've went to the writers, right, make it the length it needs to be. Okay, don't run away with the money. <laughs> yeah. Don't run over the top with your episodes. Likewise, they don't. We don't want a fifteen-minute episode. But listen, just don't don't pad it. If you don't need it to be long-winded, don't make it long-winded. Don't give us loads of fluff in the middle that we don't want. That's pointless. Just take it out of the way. People will love the show anyway. People love the show. They'll love the show. If you put tons of nonsense in the middle, folk will just drift off and lose interest. Yeah. So I, I think that's a way that they've they've made it stronger. Well, bonus question then, because I literally just thought of something just now that, is, that has been a con- controversial point on many a discussion mm-hmm. I've found myself either reading or being involved in, which is sort of a connection to this, what do we think we have to do? And the one of the big ones is, do we have to get Jedi in? And I'm going to... There's one person who might listen to this, Craig, it's you, um, who might feel picked on. <laughs> When I say this, and I think I might be slightly picking on him, and he's not here to defend himself, so <laughs> but tough, which is the Jedi. Do you have to have Jedi in something? And the argument is you shouldn't have to have Jedi in something, and I don't want to see Jedi in everything because, oh, my God, I'm sick of Jedi. And some people are saying, why did they have to bring Jedi into the Mandalorian? Could you have not done it without it? But the more I look into this the more I'm slightly bothered by that argument coming from certain corners of the internet, we won't name anybody, is because the cartoons seem to have made it okay. You know, there are so many cartoons out there, but haven't they all had Jedi in them? So every time we've ever done anything mm. in the past, we've we've found it okay to put Jedi in. And now I'm thinking it seems completely unfair to say, oh, but the Mandalorian shouldn't have had Jedi So it's not really a question I can put at you, but I'm thinking that it just bothered me. I don't see why the Mandalorian couldn't have Jedi. It seems perfectly reasonable. But the question I would put you then is, where do you stand on that? Do you you think we are forced to have Jedi in all of these things? And does it make it bad? Um, I don't think you necessarily need Jedi to make Star Wars work i think the first season of mandalorian proved that yeah i'm trying to remember now if there was much in solo i think there was some sword fighting but i don't think it was lightsabers i think rogue one the most you had was darth vader at the end maybe in jedi i mean i know that kyber crystals and everything were kind of heavily jedi orientated but i don't think the word Jedi really involved in that. I get what you're saying about the animated stuff is mainly centered around Jedi or trainee Jedi as we had in mm. in Rebels. But I don't think it's necessary to make it a show. If they come up, then they do. I think your trouble your trouble in the time period with the Mandalorian is this is supposed to be after the Jedi Purge. Yes. This is after the Jedi Purge and after the Empire. This is af- this is meant to be after the fall of the empire. You've got remnants of the empire floating about. Yeah. 
this isn't supposed to be in a time where if you look under a rock you find a Jedi. Yes. And I can get why I can get why maybe people would be a bit upset about finding a Jedi being oh well you speak to two people and after speaking to two people you've found a Jedi. Yes. <laughs> you know, I can kind of get kind of get where they're coming from, but the show does pain itself to a slight extent on making Din sort of unaware of what a Jedi is. And part of that made it slightly more unbelievable for me. Oh, really? That, oh, you've not, you've not heard stories about what happened to the Death Star. You've not heard, you know, would people have heard of Luke Skywalker by this point? After what's happened, would word have, have sort of shimmied around a little bit, maybe? Well, I'd, okay, I'd, maybe not. I just thought not yeah. actually, because he was one person who was on the bridge of a massive oh, yeah. ship, and nobody would have known that. All the attention would have been on. Do you remember that princess who went through the jungle full of teddy <laughs> bears with an army of people and started twatting stormtroopers? You know that that would have gone in the news. And so, but you know, when you think about it, though, I'd, I'd have. To, I think I'm going to have to concede the point though, because there used to be a Jedi Council in charge of various things, and I don't think they were secret. Um, no, it was never. It was never. I mean, they were. You know, in the beginning, in, in Phantom Menace, it's sort of touted as the, these are the law and order officials that come in. They're galactic law and order. Yeah. You know, if if situations are getting in trouble on planets and there's disagreements, then you've got Jedi negotiators, and if that doesn't go well, there's fighting Jedi. You know, yes. they're getting sent in as peacekeepers. They're a big, they're a big part of the thing, and. That's why I struggle when they go, oh, what, you mean like a magician? And you go, eh, really? Is it, is it, is it dropped to that point now already? It's, there's this myth of these conjurers, these sorcerers who were around. You know, I think that's roughly the way it was put by the, uh, uh, I was going to say metalsmith. That's completely the wrong word. Armourer. Armourer. There we go. That's the word. <laughs> that's the way it was put by the armourer. Uh, you know, there's these conjurers, these sorcerers, yes. these people who were force sensitive who could do things, and and you sort of go, really, is it is it sort of downgraded to that now? That it's it's not really known about, but maybe maybe it is. It, it, it's all down to legend. There's the you know the majority of them got wiped out by the purge, and there's not that many of them. So I get the argument when people say that it shouldn't be as simple as ask a couple of folk and a Jedi will pop up because if that was the case, a lot more of the Jedi would be wiped out by that point. You know. It wouldn't have taken the Inquisitors long because they would ask two people, find a Jedi, and do their business. You know, it wouldn't, you know, Darth Vader wouldn't have had as hard a time trying to wipe out the Order. So I get it. But again, we come right back, spinning right back around to what you said at the top of the show, which mm. is soap opera. Yeah. <laughs> these people, these characters are going to pop up. Right. I've already said my piece about whether it necessarily needed to be Ahsoka. And I don't get me wrong, completely interested in seeing a show, really looking forward to what story they put forward with that. You know, whether it's a story that I'm expecting in my head or not is something completely different, but looking forward to that. I have no problem with Jedi turning up. I do think there's a slight point where you go, hang on, when, when is there too many Jedi surviving the purge? But again, we've already said, universe is a big place, lots of Jedi. I think... To be honest, even though I've brought this up as a challenge, I'm actually going to have to do the right thing and com- and concede the point already. Though that after the purge, you'd expect to see fewer Jedi. So I'm I'm actually gonna I'm gonna concede the point on that entirely. <laughs> but you know, the one thing that I am glad that about him 
not knowing what Jedi are is because it brings up my, it, it allowed for my favorite quote that I really want on a t-shirt, which is, you expect me to search the galaxy for the home of this creature and deliver it to a race of enemy sorcerers. And that's just my <laughs> favorite line ever. And it's not possible unless you can call them Jedi sorcerers. Um, <laughs> so I will concede the point, but I liked what came out of it anyway. So I guess I'm doing a bit of a Donald Trump and not actually conceding properly. So in order to cover up my evil, let's, um, let's move on to uh, the next topic, which we might have already covered for the benefit of the audience at home. I've given Chris uh, a list of characters that might be worth talking about. I'm going to ask him now, is there anybody on my list that stands out as somebody that you thought was, oh, this was so well done, or I hated this person, and it's worth us talking about here? Mm. Well, because I've kind of covered a couple of people on this list already, and we've not really mentioned it much, I'm going to speak about Bo-Katan, which I really liked. So <laughs> you've got Bo-Katan and the other Mandalorians are introduced in this, which, now I've said, did we necessarily need Ahsoka? Did we necessarily see Boba Fett? Did we necessarily need Bo-Katan? Maybe not. However, again, it's another Mandalorian that we know is out there and kind of makes sense to show up, which has been sort of my argument and has probably been the writer's argument throughout. It's another Mandalorian that we expect to come up. I think... The way she meets um, Din, the way it's it's sort of explained of, oh, you're one of them when it comes <laughs> to not taking the, the helmet off and everything like that. I like the way it's done. I like the fact that she's still wanting to liberate Mandalore. She's still fighting the fight from what appears to be a pretty small ground that she's got at the moment. You know, she's slowly trading up to bigger ships. Don't get me wrong. She's obviously on an upward trajectory here, but she's starting out from pretty small. I mean, that's, that seems to be her winning a bigger battle cruiser uh, in the first episode where she's introduced. I can't remember the episode name. It's completely gone for me, but you know, she's winning her battle cruiser in that episode. And you see that there's a, a trajectory of movement. I, liked seeing that character put back on screen and the fact that it was the same actor doing it mm-hmm. you know you've got katie sakov back doing that character loved that thought it was it was really well and she just fits it they made obviously when they made the animation they obviously sort of based it roughly around her so of course she'll she fits the part when they they yes. put her on screen as much as everything i've said about ahsoka still stands in that way i did like the fact that you know, they let mm-hmm. Katie Sackhoff come back to the part. And even the stuff that she put online as well, her dad, who loved Star Wars a lot, mm-hmm. she put a picture on Instagram after the final episode aired of her dad sitting on the bridge of that. It's not a Star Destroyer. It's like a battle cruiser, isn't it? She put a picture of her dad beaming mm-hmm. on the side of the battle cruiser, <laughs> just on the set. And uh, uh, that uh, warmed my heart because I'd love to take my dad to a battle cruiser. I'm not going to get the opportunity to do that, but you know, uh, yeah, made me smile a lot. The, um, the it's it's actually interesting to hear you speak of Arabogatan that well, and I'm kind of pleased because I wasn't actually sure about how she was used in the end. I mm. um, I think she was the most relevant person to be there, more relevant than Boba or Ahsoka. 
because she is a Mandalorian and it's a show about Mandalorians and we want to see some of the variations and we want to see some of the trouble that Mandalorians have. And it's kind of difficult to establish that with only one of them, especially one who's definitely on the edge of things by, by his upbringing. So I, I definitely wanted to see more Mandalorians. Strangely, I didn't feel that her episodes hit as hard as the others, though. She needed to be there for the plot, and she was. And the plot was done well. It's just it seems so unfair that Tosoka got a really cool cinematic experience that would just, like, watch me. There's no threat there. You are going to watch this episode. And the episode was right. I couldn't take my eyes off it. Mm. And I'm not sure Bogotan gets such a, car- a strong camera focus. And it, it's good and it works, but it didn't grab me as hard as that. And Boba Fett was just, the fan base likes you. Please be on camera doing cool things. And it was just so obvious that he got to do the cool things. And and we've, we've spoken about that already, so I'll move on. But But he, he somehow he seemed to get more of the stage than seemed reasonable. So I felt like I wanted to Bo-Katan to have more. But the thing is, she's going to get more. Because one of the reasons I think she is the most critical part to this is, of course, she will step in to create the buddy movie with uh, with our main character, Probably, I guess, in replace of the father-son family drama that we mm. had with the, with our main character and Grogu, so she's potentially there as a blatant setup for series three, and she's going to get all of her really cool stuff coming up. So, I I liked seeing her. I thought she was good. I just there's just some part of me that thought she was cheated out of a bigger stage, and I don't know what that stage would be. But I saw hints of it. My favourite parts of of, um, of of seeing Bogotan on stage were her interactions with the Mandalorian, which already shows how I think she's been downplayed slightly because I enjoyed her in conjunction with another character rather than by herself. But to bring out those moments, when she does the oh my God, don't be upset. You're, you, we've just stepped on your you know, your little pride because you're a death watch and you won't take the helmet off. And you just kind of calmly point out to him, sorry, we do something differently. I got to see Mandalorian politics. I get to see hmm. what it means to be a Mandalorian, where the problems are going to lie and where the schisms are going to lie in season three. Let's put a planet together as if we all completely agree on everything. I object but we just fought together to get our planet together. I object, you know, and it's exactly what happens Mm. in rebellions across the earth. Anytime you see, I mean, pick them, pick the best or the worst rebellion you've ever seen on planet earth as we've already got a group of people come together with a common cause saying we will fight the evil. And what's the first thing they do when they defeat the evil, they all turn on each other. And you can just see that coming. And I'm just looking at it going, oh, my God, this is going to be awful. These people that I'm seeing come together as friends are going to fight and I'm going to hate it, but it's going to be real and I'm going to love it. So it was a promise of something more, but it could only be delivered with the Mandalorian. She couldn't get a cool scene mm. by herself, which a show could get. 
And then you got the bit at the end, which is possibly my absolute favorite moment that convinces me that Katie Sackhoff is 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 a, is a, is a really good actress, and I should be watching for all of these moments. But the look on her face when the very evil bar, guy on the floor laying there is explaining why she can't take it. And I'm loving this. This is like a party <laughs> to me. And you see the politics of the Darksaber. And it's real-world politics because they actually acknowledge on there that it's the story. It doesn't have any mm. spiritual powers. It's not a being created by midichlorians and can do this, that, and the other, and we should bow down and worship it like Jesus. No, it's a black lightsaber. But the politics and the story connected to that, oh, yeah, you better pay attention to that because if you don't, a whole planet of people are not going to like you. And you can just see, you just see like Katie Sacker's face, her head just turns slightly to the side. All of her muscles are clenching up. And she's like, I really want to take that and I can't. She's almost ready to explode and take the whole cruiser out with her. Mm. And it's this amazing moment. So I love what they did with her, but I think she got two moments on stage. And I think it's a promise for season three. Um, I'm actually glad though. I think you saw more in it than I did, um, which is which is good because I think I think she she deserved more. Um, but it does make me wonder: did what you, what is it that you reckon I've missed when watching those Mandalorian moments that I've not really appreciated properly? With is it with the other Mandalorians or the or the types that they are? I think I think it's. I think it was sort of the the interaction, her being a bit of a leader. I understand what you're saying, where she didn't get she didn't get her epic moment, or at least I can in, in my head. I'm trying to think of like an epic, mm. the big showstopper moment where it was like, da da, here is this character. For anyone that's not seen this character before, or anyone that doesn't understand who this character is, here's the moment. Here's the episode about. I kind of get why they maybe didn't when they're already doing like an Ahsoka episode almost yeah. where the focus is, you know, the camera lens is kind of drawn in a different direction from the way it normally would be during the show. And maybe you sit there and you go, okay, we can't, we can't do this again. And I think you're right as well about the best is probably yet to come mm-hmm. from that particular storyline. And I think that's when you're going to get your moment. My sort of thing was the, like one of the ones that I remember is in that, in that final episode where they go to the sort of cantina sort of diner mm-hmm. And everyone is willing to to just fight. There's tension in that room, you know, between her and Boba Fett. The way she's sort of <laughs> dinging off insults towards them, going, "Well, you're just a clone. It's not really yours. It's not your dad's. It's not your, you know, firing all that sort of stuff off." And then she <laughs> she's got this loyalty of the people around her who are willing to fight on her behalf. Who's who's willing to go out there. And and she's managing to pull them back. She's realizing that there's ways to potentially manipulate and use all this. And I, I just I, I I enjoyed bits of that. I I, I also enjoyed there was there was action in the scene where they took their they took their new ship. That was just really well done. The sort of uh, breaking in from the outside as it's taking off was like a a different angle to a, a scene like that that we've not really seen in Star Wars. I thought that was pretty cool and epic the way that was done. I'm with you on the unification of of Mandalore, the the rest- restoration of Mandalore, whatever we're wanting to call it. Hmm. 
as a as a thing that is such a difficult challenge when there's all these desperate broken up groups out there and remember that you know the mandalorian at the center of our story has now broken his rule twice yes he's broken his rule the the thing that the thing that ties them together is have you taken your helmet off have you been seen by another yeah, you know, another living being. I think is the the workaround that they used in season one, which I'd like to be. Yes, yeah. So uh, you sit and you, and you look at it and you go, "He's broken his rule twice." Once you could almost say he was forced into it. That second time, that second time was clear choice. Is part of that, and yeah. interestingly, like if you're trying to bring the, you know the. You've got Bo-Katan and her people who are not following that sort of strict mindset, that strict rule set. Mm-hmm. You've got Din, who's is that opening to that other to the to the the creed. Now he's broken his rule. So how do you convince those people, or do you convince those people by lying? And then what happens when they find out that you've lied? I think he's- what happens when you get that moment, you know that. Mm. Oh, that potentially is a a breaking point in the next season. Well, that that kind of makes it all add up in the same way, then, doesn't it? Because all of this that they managed to give us with the Mandalorians has felt like the setup for season three. All of the extra mm. characters have felt like the setup for their own series, but all of the Mandalorian stuff has felt like the setup for season three. Not that it hasn't been enjoyable, but it it's been noticeable but it does at least add up in the same direction meaning there is a bunch of people going to come together and they're going to have trouble doing it and how are they going to come together to fight the empire so that the way you describe it actually makes does make it sound really good because of that potential for conflict but i think he's going to be the bridge i mean at the Mm. moment he's the unwilling leader you're the leader now you've got the dark saber i don't want it tough you've got the dark saber get on with it there's not a choice here do you want to save this planet or is that just words and then he's going to find mm. because he's got that position of power that podium to speak upon he'll find the death watch coming to him and saying well we've got a connection to you but you're not one of us because of the the the, the helmet you took it off You've got Bogotan and her people going, well, we've got a connection to you because we, you helped us get the Darksaber and you put us on the right path, but you're not one of us because you broke our plan and our leader can't have the Darksaber. So he's with all of them and he's with none of them. And that's the perfect position for us to be watching as the viewer that politics play out, him being stuck in the middle, bridging them all, trying to reach out to all of them and potentially not managing to hold the hands of any of them. So... I think the way you've described that says, I really want to watch season three because I, yeah. I'm really going to look forward to that politics. It brings me back to the thought that it's going to be a totally different show again because mm. how is he going to carry on going around the universe meeting individuals when he's got to be the centre of the politics? So now I've also taught myself into I have no idea what's coming in season three, but but I'm I'm definitely wanting to see it based on what you've you've um, discussed 
I might chuck it, one it, more thing. At, oh, no, sorry, you go on. Oh, yeah, go for it. No, it's all right. I was going to say, it leaves him, like you say, at the end of the season, it leaves him in an interesting position because he's got no mode of transport to get about <laughs> by himself in the first place at the moment, right? The, the, oh, ship, yeah. the ship is gone. Unless he gets himself something that has been impounded by Moff Gideon, maybe. It'll be some right around around that where, oh, there happened to be a shuttle in the shuttle bay and it's, you know, it's a former bounty hunters. It's perfect for you kind of thing. Okay, mm-hmm. they can write around that. I think, interestingly, okay, so he's got the Darksaber. Maybe he doesn't want to rule. If no one else is going to take the Darksaber, then he's going to take it with him. So even if you begin the season with him reluctantly possessing the Darksaber, but wanting nothing to do with it, it doesn't mean that someone doesn't want the Darksaber and doesn't want to get it via combat. Yes, he's almost enabling that. He's almost, yeah, it's like if he goes away and he goes, right, I'm going back to my old, I'm going back to my old stomping grounds. I'm going to do my own thing. Mm. Or, you know, whatever he decides to do, he's still going to be carrying the sort of magnet that's going to draw trouble his direction Mm. from any any Mandalorian or anyone that wants to lay claim is going to have to win it through combat. He's, or, or he's going to try and give it to them and they're going to go, no, I'm going to fight you for it. <laughs> I'm going to take you for it. So it's, it, I think it's an interesting position. So you, you still potentially could get that little bit of going about and meeting people. And I suppose part of that going around and meeting people could be going around meeting other Mandalorian clans, outcroppings, yeah. villages. You know, it's that trying to pull, trying to pull an army together, trying to convince people that, the time to fight is now, and the reason why is because I've got the dark saber now. So you know, are you convinced? No, we're not convinced. All right, you know, okay. can I do something to help you out? Sure, defeat this massive sandworm thing for us. Okay, mm. <laughs> you know, so you've still got you've still got elements potentially of what you've got, but I, I think you're right. I think the tone of the show next season is gonna swing slightly away from the space western mm. and maybe move into something else, and I'm not too sure what, but. I'm, I'm probably there for it at this point. You have just awoken in me the idea, though, that he just throws the Darksaber away (laughs) thinking, I don't want this, so I'm just going to get rid of it. I just sell it in a pawn shop. And then a few episodes later, somebody turns up angrily and he says, what do you want? And the guy has obviously been to the pawn shop to buy the Darksaber and has to throw it at Din Djarin's feet and say, pick that up. (laughs) Because even though I bought it and I own it, I still need to fight you for it. And it'd be this crazy standoff where the politics is floating in the air, but it's it's almost comically awful because nobody's obeying the rules. And yet the people who really want to rule have to obey the rules. That could be, that could be, it could either be too ridiculous or it could be really brutally awful. Um, But uh, yeah, I'm going to look out for that. We are moving towards thoughts about season three, though, which does bring us towards the close of what we're doing. But there is one thing that I cannot uh, I cannot end this podcast without talking about. And you might have your own, so I'll ask you in a minute. But, um, oh, no, I've got two things. Sorry, tough. Uh, I need to talk. I'm important. You're not. Sorry. Um, you've got bounce <laughs> on your head. I'm in charge. Uh, so, <laughs> You're the boss. Uh, the quick one is, is... Baby Yoda less cute now he has a name. Is the is the very uh, uh, is the is the very character of of not having a name something that gives him so the property of not having a name something that gave him extra cuteness. Uh, oh, good question. 
or is he just equally as cute to you now, irrespective? I think he was. E- I think he's equally as cute. The things mm-hmm. he did were equally as cute as a as a character. I think the fact that he didn't have a name for the first season was okay. All right, I'll I'll take it. I think the fact that they kind of got outraged and started going, "It's not Baby Yoda. It's <laughs> a Baby Yoda-like creature, or whatever they're whatever they're like. It's called the Child. Everyone, it's the Child. Call it the Child." And we were like, "Nope, it's Baby Yoda because it's a baby that looks like Yoda. Therefore, Baby Yoda is like nice, nice try with the paperwork, everyone. But you know, no." We're not going to be calling it the child. <laughs> we we love that that's what you called it, and it's very very cute. But you knew that as soon as it went on screen, everyone would go, "It's a baby Yoda." You know the fact that they didn't you know produce enough toys for it early enough. I think yes. is kind of hilarious. But I, I think it was still it was still cute. And the moment <laughs> or the moments that you get, I think it even carries on into the next episode. I think it's the way they start the next episode, is it not? where he's just saying the name over and over, yeah. <laughs> over and over and over again to get the reaction, the little head tilt the, uh, yeah. every time. And it is just so sweet a moment. It's he's delighted that he knows its name. He's, he's happy. He knows what to call it. He spent ages just going, oi, you, yeah, you, oi, oi, you know, listen to what I'm saying. Yeah. And he's getting nowhere with it because it's distracted. And then he says its name and it gets instant attention. He's just like, yes, uh, great. I think that probably does you enough with the fan community to have them pay off your bounty so you get to live now, because I'm pretty sure (laughs) that uh, everybody else on the internet thinks that um, he's equally as cute with the name as he was without. But I just threw it in there. I just thought that was a potential possibility. I'm I'm interested in why, why did you think that it potentially diminished it in some way? The whole idea of him being called Baby Yoda has the word baby in it. The whole idea of him not Mm. having a name gives him an extra vulnerability. And once you've got Grogu in there, he's a known quantity. And I think he's, he's now protected. He's got a father figure. And that almost seems solidified when they can bond over his name of Grogu. And they're definitely father and son when that is happening, you know, you can almost see in the American context, they're pretty much almost throwing a baseball to each other at that point with the little silver ball thing that he keeps carrying around, you know? So Mm. he, he seemed, he seemed more real and less vulnerable. And part of me, I just thought it was just a thought that flashed across them in my mind. I thought, I wonder if the world sees it obviously still cute, undeniably so, but I wonder if he's, relatively slightly less cute because of that definition and that protection um i don't think i felt it i don't think i felt it was a it was a massive detraction but it was just this random i can't call it philosophical thought because it's certainly not that important but it Mm. just just one of those things where your imagination runs away with you so i am pleased that you and the internet probably at large (laughs) thinks he is still as cute do you, do you know the thing that would diminish Baby Yoda's cuteness for me, or Grogu's cuteness for me, would be if he started talking, or even if he started talking in Din's mind. Yeah. He started. He started sending him messages. Yes. If anything like that started, I think that would diminish his cuteness. Like if he if he was sitting there eating random stuff in the back of the ship, <laughs> and then you get the sort of voice in the head going, "Mmm, these are delicious." <laughs> then that I think would break it for me. That would be no. Nope, 
baby Yoda is over. You know, it's it's done. You've 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 killed it. It's not happening anymore. I think it's the fact that he doesn't talk and he needs that sort of protection. And because I can't remember what age they said he was, as much as they're saying that the race, you know, obviously has a way longer lifespan than average. But is Baby Yoda not in his forties or something like that? Or am I completely making that up? So he is fifty whatever planetary years <laughs> old, but his. His behavior is difficult to to match up to any human equivalent because mm. 50 means nothing to us. We need to know what the human equivalent is. But he sounds like a newborn baby, but he acts a bit like a slightly older than a toddler, I think, because he can move mm. around, he can see stuff, and he can express himself with action, even if he can't with words. But why then does he use baby noises? And it, I'm perfectly prepared to believe any any description or explanation you come up with, like the because you're in a race that ages differently to us, your physicality uh, evolves quicker than your mentality. So suck it up, and I would go, okay, that sounds like good science, space science to me that I've never heard of. You know? <laughs> and and you come up with any other reason why, like um, he's hiding from people, and the best way to hide is to sound like he's got nothing to say. Brilliant. Again, I follow that and that works. But it's too difficult to try and put a human equivalent age on him because of that. So the fact that he's 50 years old means nothing because we don't know what it is. And we can't work it out from Yoda because if you kind of go, well, Yoda was 900 and and Grogu's Grogu's, um, 50. So I'm actually going to get my calculator out. How old is Yoda in, in, in human years, do you reckon? Give me what you reckon he is. 180? Oh, uh, well, Yoda in human years. What's his human equivalent? Oh, I'm going to say like 150, 200. I was to be human years. Even older than that, right? Okay. I think he's even older than that because, you know, the, the way that other Jedi talk about him is he's been training in the temple for years. Uh, like everyone remembers getting their lightsabers with Master Yoda kind of thing. So I'm I'm saying he's got to be in his hundreds because because uh, of the age of the Jedi Masters. I'm uh, thinking. Right. So if he's only, if he's 200 years old, that would make Grogu 11. And you're thinking that's not right. So let's let's do him as if he was 150. Divided <laughs> uh, by that, that makes Grogu eight. And again, it doesn't work. So you can't even really use mm. Yoda's age. Uh, to work out how well maybe you can if we maybe if, if somebody came online and said well actually your equivalent <laughs> human age is this and you've been doing your maths wrong okay you win i can't challenge that but i'm still saying it's too difficult to do it even from the data we have so yeah up for debate there must there, there will be there will be canon somewhere that says what you does equivalent there must be yeah there must be somewhere where it's it's scribbled yes um but i don't i don't have that kind of uh knowledge stored away in my brain i don't have much knowledge and that's definitely not, not one of the things <laughs> i'm lucky i'm remembering what podcast i'm on right now if it wasn't written in front of me well you've done well for the time we had uh so yeah yeah um <laughs> but is uh, yeah speaking of the time we had um i've got one more thing i want to throw at you before we finish but is Ooh. there is there a part of Mandalorian season two that we have not spoken about that you loved. It doesn't have to be, but I wouldn't want to miss your favorite oh. thing if I if I, if there's a danger. 
Fav- favorite things. Right. So my favorite. I'm I'm gonna spit out a couple of quick rapid fire ones sure. for you. Okay. So I really liked the snow spider stuff in the passenger. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a really just cool little one off kind of episode out there exploring space kind of thing. So I liked that as a thing. I thought it was scary as anything, but really enjoyed that one. And the spiders were kind of similar to the ones that we saw in Rebels. So it was kind of cool seeing them brought to screen. The crate dragon in the first episode, fighting the crate dragon, that looked epic. It looked absolutely fantastic on screen. I've got no idea how they did it all and did it on a tv style budget. Yeah. As much as these things are getting a lot of money thrown at them, that looked awesome. And uh, for like a smaller thing that I liked and I thought was done well, uh, Mayfield, in the episode that name I cannot remember, when he has that scene with the former commander who sacrificed all those troops oh. in inverted commas for the greater good and the point in which he breaks. Right. Despite the fact he knows what the repercussions are going to be, yeah. despite the fact he knows that he's in there, he's like, no, 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 you're not getting away with it. You know, it's like, you don't even remember me, do you? And goes for it. In that same episode, you also get Din removing his mask by choice to save the kid, which is a fantastic character development moment that is done really well. There's so many good things in that, tucked into that episode. So, yeah, there we go. That's my my little quick-fire list for you. Well, I'm glad I didn't jump over that then, because you got loads. (laughs) I feel like I've actually (laughs) saved you the chance to probably talk about them. But... Oh, well, never mind. Um, <laughs> what can you do? Invite you back to The Mandalorian Season 3, I guess, yeah. and we can keep talking. Then. But I cannot let you go without talking. There's two big controversial points, I think, to The Mandalorian Season 2. I opened with one, which was the Luke cameo, and I'd like to finish on the other, as all proper book ending is done, which is to get your thoughts on the effect of The Mandalorian Season 2 on the recent films. And I specifically took a note of what you said in your intro on your connection, because you said you weren't necessarily into the most recent three films, you know, the actual the actual third mm. trilogy, because I've been seeing the, uh, quite a lot of stuff going on, teased really early on when Dave Filoni was wearing his T-shirts of um, Ashoka's Alive, uh, question mark and then Ashoka's alive exclamation mark and <laughs> and everybody's and everybody was sort of talking about oh what does this mean what does it mean and then as we start watching the the, the Mandalorian and everybody's talking about the fact that this character is coming back and is is this character really going to get killed off just so she can appear as a as a voice of the dead in in the very in the ninth film. Um, which, amusingly enough, I can't remember the name of the ninth film. Good grief. Help me out. Make me sound less stupid. What's the name of the ninth film? Uh, so we had... Uh, so Force Awakens was the first one. Yep. And then... Is the last one Rise of Skywalker? That sounds right. Oh, my God. The last one is Rise of Skywalker. Then what's the... What's the what's the what's the what's the middle one? Well, no. I need, it's the ninth one I want. It is the last one. So um, that's the one I need. I need Rise of Skywalker then. 
He quickly Googles, embarrassingly. Yeah, do it. Star Wars films. I'm totally leaving this uh, in, by the way. I'm not cutting this out. No, <laughs> no, you can't do this. Okay, The Last Jedi is the middle one. The controversial one's The Last Jedi. There we go. In fact, I think the three of them are now controversial. But anyway, the controversial one of the time was The Last Jedi. There we go. And it, and Dearie it, me. Oh, have I even shown myself up completely wrongly? Which is the one where you get all the voices of the dead Jedi and then was it actually the controversial one? The Rise of, Rise of, uh, Rise of Skywalker was all the different right. voices at the end wasn't it it was the big the big yeah. moment where yeah so we've got a set of films saying that ashoka is definitely going to die oh we we logically assume that and then we've got somebody who created this character who loves this character who has put a lot of effort in who's on record as saying the reason i didn't put her in series one is because i was so afraid of getting her wrong even though he helped create her and should be the most confident person they're going back. Is, but is this person really going to allow her to fall into a setup where she she does die just so she can get a crazy weird ghost cameo in a film that isn't <laughs> maybe as popular as some of the others? If I can just chuck that out there without offending anybody. So there's been this, this, this controversy then that I've been slowly and boringly pointing, building up to is... Will The Mandalorian and the other 10 shows that are coming with it undermine or rewrite those three films that come afterwards, potentially using the idea of time travel and alt verses that I think was introduced in Rebels or Clone Wars? Mm-hmm. Which is Rebels. the one where I'm not Rebels. making that mistake again. Rebels no, no, had it <laughs> because controversially or uncontroversially, that's where Ahsoka comes back from, I believe. Yes. So they've established in the cartoons already that we can play around with time and old verses if we want to. So, what what do you reckon? Do you reckon that that um, mm. they are going to keep the canon of the three final films? Or do you reckon they're going to take advantage of what the cartoons have established that we can go into alt versus and other timelines if we want and actually effectively say ours is the real timeline, which is different, we think better maybe, and get rid of the last three films? Oh, it's difficult. As much as, much as I did not particularly like the trajectory that those three films went on, and I think my main thing that I've argued against them is they just weren't plotted out. They don't flow sequentially. They don't flow even with the the motivations of the characters. There's things that are picked up, dropped, picked back up again. There's things that are just rewritten, scribbled all over the place. I've got so many things that that I just I didn't I didn't follow with them. And they should have stuck with the same writers throughout, or they should have had the same team throughout to make sure that the the films had a kind of flow. That's where my argument with those films are really i think having yes they've they've got time travel as an element in star wars it's been seen Mm. it's possible that they could do it i think in some sectors it's kind of a bit of wish fulfillment it's someone going oh please pretend that the the other three didn't happen please pretend that you know please give us another film with harrison ford and and everyone in it that that says that this wasn't true you know (laughs) i'm sorry you're not going to get that opportunity i really don't think you are because on that same hand on that same you know thing that they're, they're wanting to do there are you wanting more CGI Han Solo, CGI Leia, CGI yeah. Luke? Is that what they're 
is that what you're genuinely hoping for out of a time travel time twist or are you going to set it earlier how are you i i don't know i i really really don't know i kind of don't want them to at the same time i was really disappointed with the way it, it finished out i think there's some fantastic elements in those films i'm not going to say that the whole thing was a, a disaster it wasn't there were elements of it that were great there were little bits of story that if they had been followed through i think would have been fantastic i think the problem is that some things were just let go but i don't think you can erase it it's the same way as people wanting to go back and redo prequels yeah you know, it's it's you know some people now are looking at the prequels as a heyday <laughs> in comparison to the recent three. <laughs> After panning them for for years, they're now going. Actually, on a rewatch, I've decided that my new favorite order of running films is this. You know, um, so yeah, they could do it. Will they do it? I don't think so. Will it be through the force of the TV universe that they do it again? I don't think so i think you've still got the potential of great stories set before those films i still think you can run off and you can do you know solo okay was a bit of a disappointment but i really liked rogue one yes i think i think you know the fact that they're revisiting some of the characters in the tv universe sort of in this in-between period that we've got the fact that they've included luke in the mandalorian does kind of open the door a little bit to we could set something that's in between these. You know, we could we could have a six point one <laughs> of a film. You know, we could do that. Yeah. There's nothing that says that they can't insert things that happened before. Yeah. And I think people need to remember that what you've seen now doesn't diminish your original viewing of the other films. I have great memories of watching the original trilogy. You know, I've got great memories of doing that. It doesn't take those away. Those films are still there. As much as they keep getting tweaked with every once in a while, those films are still there. You know, there's probably, you know, another hour's worth of dialogue or something that's been edited in in the time that we've done this podcast. But the films are still there. You can still watch them if you want. So, you know, I get that they maybe wish that time travel would be involved, but maybe isn't necessary. I mean, what's your thoughts on it? Oh, do you know, I was just thinking of, of my wording on this, and I'm actually going to prevent myself <laughs> from answering because what? I, I don't want to end up on the dark side at the end of this podcast. Oh, what? So I can't. Oh, I, can't. But I want the dark side to, no, you know. No, I can't answer. I can't answer that question. That Release really your weird. hate. Come on. So <laughs> Release that, your that, hate. That'll have to come out in a different podcast, <laughs> I think, because it's, uh, it's not good. Oh, no, we need to end on the light, so... All right. As, okay. a, as closing thoughts, um, I'm going to say to end on the light side of things. I, as was totally involved in in the Mandalorian season two, as I was with Mandalorian season one, even though I got knocked off course for a bit, it did enough to make me uh, watch the first four episodes again, and then I was actually totally on board. And I'd already loved the end anyway. Uh, everything about episodes five through eight I really enjoyed. And then I was able to go back and actually really enjoy episodes one through four again on a second watch. So I'm totally in into seasons one and two. And based on the stuff we've been talking about, despite some trepidations about where this goes, now it kind of has to change tack, even time jump maybe into season three. Between our chat here, I've, I've actually managed to talk myself into being very excited about <laughs> season three. So 
I'm, I really want to end my own commentary on on the light side. So I'm, I'm going to do that, and that's going to be my word on it. Uh, <laughs> so you can you can give me your your last thoughts on it, and see if you want to go light, dark, or even the grey side of the neutral force. Oh, yeah, that's the neutral now. force. Yeah, the neutral force. Yeah, that is that is a way. Um, I am the light side. I'm with you. I'm looking forward to this next season. It's interesting that you're bringing a time jump, actually, because I didn't even... Because it's sort of run sequentially so far, I didn't even think about doing a time jump because, mm-hmm. like I said, at the end of this, you, he's not got a ship. He's he's standing there with a the darksaber on that yes. bridge. Like the next, the next season could pick up immediately from there or it could do the five years later yes. <laughs> in a galaxy a long time ago you know oh uh, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to the next season I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the adventures are what what the state of play is at that point i hope that they really hone in on the mandalorian i feel that they've done their launches for the other the other tv shows this season mm-hmm. let's focus on the mandalorian this third season could be his final season this could be the completion of a journey of this character in my head that's what this season coming up is but maybe that's just because they've not introduced the new shiny to me that he's going to take forward after this but that seems like uh finding his people taking them home is kind of his thing it's it's an extension of his story with grogu really on a grander scale and i'm i'm kind of all for that I feel good that we've all ended on the light side. So, (laughs) taking heart to that positive note, thank you very much, Chris. Thank you also to the YouTubers whose Mandalorian themes you'll hear at the start and end of this podcast. DSC for his guitar cover and Artificial Fear for his metal version. Links in the show notes. And to all the listeners, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and of course, good night.